it's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast. I am your host, John. This week's guest is Rob Rivera, drummer for the band Nonpoint. Nonpoint are done for the year, and Rob had some extra time to sit down and talk to me. And with him recently doing a bunch of podcasts, most notably like the Talk To Me podcast, the Discography Discussion, and I believe even the Roach Coach podcast, uh, I wanted to kind of go a different route with having him on the podcast, and with it being literally the day we recorded this, the brand new year, January 1st. I decided to do a year-end review of our top 10 albums and some albums that we were looking forward to the most coming into 2018. And while Rob didn't necessarily have a whole lot (laughs) that he knew of that was coming out uh, in early 2018, uh, we still had a lot of fun with this chat. There's a lot of the conversation. Uh, This is going to be another one, long one, about two hours. Uh, I feel like I'm starting to get known for these long conversations. And uh, I assure you next week's episode is going to be really short and to the point. So uh, for those who have endured the long Joe Rogan-esque podcasts, thanks for sticking with me. We uh, got to talk a lot about different records, though. Um, something with Rob that was is, is interesting, and talking to someone who tours quite a bit, and it's interesting, is getting to hear some of the stories that get kind of triggered from the conversations that we're just having about a band, or you know, maybe I might be like, or Rob even might say, you know, this band reminds me of this, and it'll be like, oh, I saw that band on this, or you know, so on and so forth. So it was really fun hearing some of the stories Rob tells, like when we talk about Papa Roach and you know how I had seen them on the Love Hate Tragedy tour with Nonpoint opening for them, and he kind of tells a little different, few different stories, and there's something that I had remembered from a VH1 special that aired. Right Right before I went to that show and kind of getting some clarification on, I mean, something that we already know that a lot of quote unquote reality TV has been heavily edited just to fit a narrative of whoever is putting this thing out. But as a whole, it was so easy and so, so comforting, not comforting. It was so easy just to talk with Rob about music. And, you know, it's kind of interesting as I've gotten older, music's one of those things that I feel like a lot of people are passionate about. And when you start getting people who are passionate about things together, sometimes it can lead to debates, I'll say. (laughs) Not necessarily fights, but debates. And with someone who is legitimately a professional musician by trade, like that is what they do for a living, it gets kind of tough sometimes talking about records as from a fan's perspective, but also putting in some of the things that, you know, I love, whether it be the production or some of the playing or things like that, and kind of talking music with a musician, a professional musician. So it was really cool that Rob was uh, super easy to talk to and just uh, had a great time just kind of bullshitting for, you know, almost two hours. Uh, I wasn't I kind of sprung this on him kind of last minute. So, you know, if there's a little bit of time where it, you know, seems like he isn't necessarily prepared or whatever, um, it's because I (laughs) threw this at him so last minute. Um, But as a result, I think uh, sometimes I think when you do that, you get a more sincere, honest response out of somebody uh, because they don't have time to come up with a pre preconceived answer to something. But I'm interested to see how this episode goes, because initially I was really concerned with putting out a top 10 list from the year before 
in the new year. Um, but it seems like a lot of the podcasts I'm listening to, that's pretty much what they're doing. So I guess maybe indirectly, I was I was right on time with this uh, this episode. And I'm interested to see, for those who follow me on my socials, uh, again, we are partnered with moshpitnation.com, another music site, uh, preferably, typically metal stuff and so forth, and and within the Midwest area, typically. But like I said a couple of episodes ago, we are expanding. We are getting writers from all over the world. Uh, So basically, we are not just here in the Midwest, per se, but um, I'm really interested to see... The reaction to this, our top 10 list, uh, there was only one carryover that was the same between Rob and I's, and that was uh, Code Orange Forever. And it's interesting to see the shift of that band between the division of the scene. Like, you're getting a lot of people within the industry, like a band like Hatebreed and, and bands like, or people like Corey Taylor. And, you know, I just saw a new A Day to Remember publicity shot and Jeremy, their singer, is wearing a Code Orange Forever shirt. So it's one of those where everyone in the industry performing wise anyway it seems is really high on this record but i'm also seeing a lot of people the fans supposedly that are kind of giving it shit and and i don't really understand why like i'm not necessarily saying code orange is the first band to do what they're doing not necessarily by any stretch of the imagination but i think they're one of the few bands that are very adventurous and, and trying to blend a bunch of different sounds and make their own thing when a lot of people are trying to play it safe. I would say if you really look at the progression from I Am King to Forever, like it's it's a band that's growing. And I think even if you go back to the record that they did on Death Wish uh, under Code Orange Kids, you will still find that the band has just constantly been evolving and growing into something that they want. And they're doing this all on their own terms and it's been crazy. Like I've seen that band a couple of times now, and I saw them on the Forever or on the I Am King record cycle, and I've now seen them on the Forever touring cycle at least one time each and having gotten an opportunity to speak with the band to get them to sign like my vinyl and all that kind of stuff they're still the same people they were a few years ago even despite all the success that they've had and i've definitely not seen that um you know i've definitely seen bands who have had less success than these people the this band and be just giant douchebags so i think it's uh, very commendable to see a band that's still embracing their fans, still embracing the newfound fame and attention that they're getting, but still doing things in a, in a manner that's uncompromising to the vision that they see for themselves. And in a day and age where hardcore music is kind of becoming paint by numbers to a degree, and, you know, we're kind of in a, a weird lull, I feel like. There's a, there's a lot of new younger bands in the scene that I'm starting to get excited about, which as a 33-year-old male who has been around heavy metal and hardcore and stuff for quite a while now and seen a few different, like, peaks of this. I'm very interested to see what bands like Turnstile and and Jesus Peace and, you know, Code Orange and a lot of these other bands do. I mean, we've had Terror for a long time. We've had Hatebreed for 20-something years. We've had all these bands for a long time. I'm interested to see what some of these new bands come up and do that are getting some of this mainstream attention. Power Trip is another great example. I mean, these this is going to be these will be the bands that will replace the hate breeds, the you know kill switch engages and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully, uh, with the right push and the right you know success as far as making solid records. And I think these are bands that we're going to be hearing about for a long time because they seem to just have that pedigree because they understand where the roots of the music came from and all that kind of stuff. So that was a long-winded rant to basically just sort of 
dip into uh, one of my bands from the top 10, the only carryover between Rob and I's lists. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Rob Rivera going over the top albums of 2017 and what we're looking forward to in 2018. I have the uh, pleasure of talking with Rob Rivera. Is it Rivera? I heard someone say once Riviera, and I was like, I don't think that's right. No, Riviera means that we'd have to add an extra I. That's what I thought. Yeah. To the to the word, but no, it's not. It's Rivera. Okay. I'm a stickler for how people sp- say names, and so sometimes when I see or hear someone say a name incorrectly, I'm like, they didn't correct them, so is it just one of those things where it's been said so wrong so many times that they're like, whatever, man, whatever my name is, it, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that's never really been said to me, Riviera. Okay. But uh, uh, growing up, I remember people would always ask me if I was uh, related to Paul Revere. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and when I was like kid i was like well who is that <laughs> so i have no idea who paul revere is it's really so. funny that you say that like that you didn't have a knowledge necessarily of of who paul revere was because when i i grew up originally in delaware and what's interesting to me about growing from an east coast one of the original 13 colonies to here out in the midwest in michigan yeah is our history when we would learn history it was so steeped in the the original 13 colonies and, and early settlization civil, civilization and settling down and all that kind of stuff yeah but when you come out here it's just like literally a week's worth of your history and you're like no there's there's so much more that went into this and it's like it's just interesting to see the difference geographically of how you learn about your history so it's that's funny that crazy. it's funny to know that like you weren't necessarily like oh, who's Paul Revere and it's like I remember spending a long time <laughs> learning about Paul Revere and, and the uh, original thirteen colonies and so forth. I still to this day have no idea who he is, so it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. I mean, you th- to be fair though, too, you grew up uh, not in the states, if I remember correctly. For I grew up in well, I grew up. I lived a little bit in Ohio. That's when people used to ask me that was when I lived in Ohio for like. I lived there for like three years. I, but I mainly grew up in Florida and Puerto Rico. Right. So yeah, I don't really know Paul Revere. <laughs> I have no idea who he is. He's the guy so, in the Sam Adams bottle. I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's uh, okay. <laughs> I, I I would believe it though if somebody told me that. So no, that's fine. Um, so interestingly enough, uh, you've been making the podcast rounds uh, between the Talk to Me podcast. I believe you were on. I believe you're on the pod, uh, the discography discussion as well. Yeah, yes, and I've been on Jamie Justice too, uh, on Justice Show. Yeah, so yeah. You, you've made the podcast rounds, and as it was kind of uh, alluded to on the most recent To Me episode you were on, that you have been kind of getting your feet wet and trying to maybe think about doing your own podcast, which I think would be awesome. I'm sure you have plenty of stories to tell of your own. Yeah, it's it's a, a buddy of mine, just kind of a buddy, uh, Shannon Hernandez. He lives out in uh, in Phoenix. He has a podcast. He had me on his podcast like, uh, about a year or two ago, and, and he told me what it takes to do it. And I'm like, I don't know if I can want to do all this. <laughs> I mean, I have the equipment to do it. It's but, honestly just you the know, time, just taking the time yeah, to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I think I can do podcasts on location and stuff like that. It would be cool to record it on the computer. The one thing I never understood is how to do it over the phone, you know, and stuff like that. So I, 
I mean, that's something I would like to do eventually would love to have a career in that because, you know, I'd love to talk to I love to pick people's brains and like, you know, and just but if I had one, it would be like just random. I wouldn't just pick a certain genre. I just who knows? I would pick maybe a fan, you know, right. one day, like a really cool fan of the band or or something, maybe a promoter or a booking agent. You know, I, I don't want to uh, just pick musicians. I kind of want people to get educated on what it takes to do to be in this business and the stuff that you know to hear from an agent's perspective a promoter's perspective you know a fan's perspective band's perspective label manager you know so it's it's a lot of it's a lot of things that people need to do there's a lot involved to make sure that things go correctly it's not just playing in the band you know it's just (laughs) a lot of people are don't don't get that it's not just that so it was kind but of hopefully funny. one Sorry, day I can get into it. No, I just hopefully one day I can get, you know, get into it. Yeah, it was funny. The podcast I was doing yesterday with an old friend that's in Chicago uh, and is in like three different bands. One of them is the old punk band, The Blamed. Uh, he's their new singer. Um, okay. And as we were talking, just kind of, you know, he was like, you know, I'm a punk dude. Like, I don't really care about numbers. I don't care about money, so on and so forth. Like, was kind of going down that road. And as we were talking about the show that they did at Audio Feed one year, uh, last two years ago to the one they did last year, he was like, oh, you know, like we played in front of 50 people and we did this much in money in merch and then we had this many people and we did like, you know, $1,000 in merch. And I was like, for someone that doesn't, it's funny, for someone that doesn't care about money, you're so, you know your business though. Like that's the funny thing. And then we just went down this rabbit hole of like kind of more DIY ethos of like booking shows since I book shows as well and talking about how like sometimes I think the house show thing is a lot better. Like I did a house show with Expire. We did 130 something paid people at $10 a piece. Um, yeah. And it's like if you were to put that in a venue, you're maybe not doing those same numbers. You're not doing, you know, maybe people are going to bitch that they don't want to pay that much to go to that venue because of whatever th- like stigma they have on that venue or whatever. And then yeah. it's like the venue's taking, you know, a room rental fee, which I understand all that. You got to pay your, your employees and the sound and, and, you know, it costs money to run a business. But then the thing I kind of hate is it's like, okay, then they're taking 80% or 20% off of everything from there solely for me basically bringing in the people more or less giving them business. And it's like, that's kind of where it gets a little shitty where you're like, I have to hit like some of these like stupid astrological numbers for like beer sales and such, just so I can get more money back that I should have had once I paid yeah. you anyway. So it's just stuff like that where it's like, and then I made the comments to him. I was like, you know, we're getting into the, the business side of booking things. And I'm sure if you have no interest in this, like it's so boring, but it's, it's sometimes really interesting to me. Like when you start getting into bigger, like I love the things like when Danny Wimmer and uh, like Jasta just had on the dude from a uh, download. And it's like, the idea of being able to run a show, I know what that entails, and I know having worked with some other people and some nationals and stuff like that, like what it looks like on a slightly the bigger level and working with bigger rooms. But what I yeah. don't understand is how what it looks like to book a festival. Like the idea of that just seems so crazy to me that it's like, wow, you are planning this for a whole year, and I know how crazy and just maddening it can. Especially like the day day of a show, like when everyone's like, "Hey, is there any way we can like switch slots or whatever?" And you're like, "No," <laughs> or you know, like, "Hey, we're late and stuff like that." And it's like I couldn't imagine it being like on that grand of a scale and being like just the. I feel like I'd be bald and like severely overweight or have a drug problem just to deal with the stress. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't. And the thing is, when the, these poor promoters, man, I like you know guys like Danny Wimmer and, and you know and, and all the previous guys that did stuff. I mean, when they put out. Uh, a lineup 
here comes the bitching. Oh my god. Well, even a, I mean, you get this even on a tour. Here you announce a tour, you're the support band on the tour. So you're like second of three or four. I mean, as far as like you're like the the direct support for a headliner. And then all people do is, you're not coming here? And it's like, no, I had no say in this. Like, I mean, Josta talks about it all the time, and so does everyone else, where it's like, yeah, and they don't they, they, an offer. They just don't, don't get it. You know, it's like we're at the mercy of the headliner, you know, yeah. and, and people don't understand that. You know, go bitch at the headliner. <laughs> well, <laughs> even, still, even still, the headliner is going to be like, look, we have a booking agent. I'm sorry if you didn't want this. We're doing all A markets, and some people don't even understand what an A market, B market, whatever like I made a joke to uh, uh, Skyler yesterday or a couple of days ago when I was like, hey, you guys should get on the Eats at Christmas show coming up this year. Like there's a lot of demand for you from the fans, it seems like. And he's like, well, we'd love to. We don't know like, you know, if they're going to like want us or whatever. And then basically I was just like, hey, it'd be really cool uh, if you hit up like my fucking B market town sometime just so I can see you guys again, like just making the joke. But it's like yeah. I understand like. It's funny, like, I made a comment a while back. I was like, I would love – bands would probably love to be, like, on a level of, like, Kanye West, like, where you – for probably most of his whole career, he's never even heard the term B market. It's all straight-up A markets. <laughs> yeah. Well, people from the B markets travel to the A markets to see yeah. these shows. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I it, it's frustrating, dude, you know, as – you know, or, you know, like, you announce a, a headlining tour – and they see all the dates are on the East Coast. And they don't get that you, there's more coming. You, we're not, we're not, oh, what the fuck? LA's not on the list. Yeah, because we're not playing the West Coast, dude. Yeah. We're, you know, and, and it's every day, every single band, every Facebook page that I see, every single band deals with the same thing. And the, my favorite is when you come into Houston, uh, we were there last. <laughs> we were there last night. Yeah, that's my favorite one. You know, yeah. like it's it, it's weird it's, that fans don't take ownership of supporting the bands they like. Like, and interestingly enough, I I tend to find sometimes that even A market crowds are more shitty than the B market crowds because A market people don't want to travel because they're like, oh, we get so many shows, it's whatever. But I feel like the flip side of that is like when a B market tour gets announced, maybe it's not due to radius clauses, whatever. It might turn into a thing where it's a lot of well, this band isn't available for this because they have something else coming. Like, I know Hapery did a uh, – supposed to be a headlining run. They canceled it, like, kind of last minute, but then basically it was because they were getting on that Slipknot arena run, and that did come yeah. here in Grand Rapids. So I went from being kind of bummed. Like, I was like, oh, shit, I'm not going to see Hapery. So then being like, oh, well, this is a way better package. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. But the flip side of that is sometimes, like, you'll get stuff like that where some people will bitch and be like, well, I don't want to see, you know, insert whatever band as a support – so I'm not going to go or, you know, like I don't like the package that the headliner is on. So I'm not going to go. I'll wait until next time. But then they're going to bitch that they don't come around. And it's like you can't have it both ways. You, you really got to support the bands that you love, especially in this day and age where like record sales just aren't there or non-existent almost. That's uh, 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 dude, it's, we, we deal with this. Every day, I'm sure. I know every I'm day, to the choir. <laughs> every every single day, and you know, it just gets annoying. You know, and I just, I'm just not going to respond to that stuff anymore. You know, it's just it. Well, what can I say that I haven't said before? <laughs> I let the and the thing is, other fans know that this stuff happens, so they respond for us. So right. you know, let them. I'll let them duke it out online. So, so what a. 
fun little tangent there that we just went on. But uh, something I actually wanted to do with you since we since you've been on a few different podcasts and you've kind of already wrapped up your year and kind of talked about what 2018 is going to look like for Nonpoint. I uh, figured I would kind of switch it up a little bit and maybe perfect time to talk about the year that we just had in music and, and some of the records that we really enjoyed and maybe looking forward to 2018 early and seeing records maybe that are on the horizon or that we're hoping coming out that we're eagerly anticipating as something yeah. a little little timely that we can do. Yeah, I'm fine. Let's do it. Um, we're not going to go in any order uh, just because if I – my top albums probably could change on a moment's notice, depending on my mood and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think let's uh, – I could easily pick five. So let's let's do five records. Okay. And uh, we'll go from there. Um, I'll have you go ahead and start. All right. Well, my uh, – it's it, tied at number one. I mean, it's really hard. The Mastodon album, um, Empire of Sand, I think is probably one of the most brilliant records ever made. And I never really followed them before. I mean, I heard a couple songs, but when I listened to this record, it just kind of like, it really grabbed me. I, I had heard the single, I think it's called Show Yourself. Okay. I, I heard the single and, and and I just got really gravitated to that. So I said, you know, let me get the record. And I heard the whole record. It's like, oh my God, like some of the riffs, how, these, how those guys arrange. There's three singers in the band, which gives us this huge dynamic. So I, I, I really thought that was the best record of the year. But then I have a really good friend named Jeff Scott Soto. Uh, um, he sings with Trans-Siberian Orchestra. He used to sing with uh, Aimee Malmsteen. He has this new band called Sons of Apollo. And has, that record's called Psychotic, Symph Psychotic Symphony. Yeah, Psychotic Symphony. And that record got to the same level as the Mastodon album as far as quality and it's like I could not. Actually, I just listened to it last night before I went to bed. It's just an incredible record, man. And I mean, I have definitely more than five, but since we're doing five, I'll keep it to five. <laughs> well, I mean, we can go. I just know sometimes some people are like, "Oh, you know, it's really hard to narrow it down," and you know, stuff I like have that, actually, so. I have actually nine at I, the moment. I'm kind of writing mine down. And I'm already at five, and I'm like, "Uh, there's a couple more I could easily add." <laughs> So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely a lot more that I could add. Um, I'm trying to think what else I have. Releases here. I'm looking at the release. I'm I'm on the PRP looking at all the releases that came out. <laughs> so um, another record that I really enjoyed was a Code Orange album. Yeah, that's, that's uh, easily one of mine. Yeah, that's called Forever. And an incredible record. And when I first heard of them, I saw them, uh, they're set on YouTube on the, this is hardcore set from this year or and, last year. Uh, I'm not sure if it was this year. I think it was last year. Okay. And, um, I saw the set and I'm like, the drummer was singing yeah. mainly. And then the, there's a girl in the band and she was just throwing rips, down like rips. crazy. Just, and then I know that she sings on the record. Like she sings a lot of the, like the, the melodic, stuff, yeah. yeah, the cleaner melodic stuff. And another band that's gotten, gotten a lot of love this year from a lot of the critics, a lot that made a lot of lists. I think it's another great record. Um, uh, also, Glassjaw released a new album. How did you? Because I'm on the fence about adding that into my top. But how did you feel about that record from the production standpoint? Given how uh, great like worship and tribute and uh, the coloring book stuff was, uh, you know me, I've never been a production guy. Okay, 
you know, me, it's always been about the songs, you know, okay. and I mean, I come from an era where production was not what it is today. You listen to those first couple Metallica albums, they don't sound like anything produced today, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. but it was just, it was, there was an attitude behind it and, and there was, you know, a lot of energy. I heard a lot of energy on the Glassjaw record. It's definitely, I think it's long time coming i mean i think that what was their last release was that an ep um it was a, a bunch of eps uh like i said i think it was called the coloring book ep and they had like colors so it was like blue green yellow something and then like uh one of the I've bigger actually, I've, I've actually never heard that album okay the one yeah. of the bigger songs that i felt like when i first heard was like one of the first quote-unquote singles off of like this set of releases was uh uh, all good junkies go to heaven, and it starts off with just this like really great kind of drum kind of. It's kind of like a shuffle beat kind of thing, but like instead of playing yeah. uh, like kind of really riding on like a like a the top of like a cymbal, like you know I can't really describe like what that thing is, but like when you're just riding like the top of your ride, like the bell part, yeah. and just a really great like double bass groove shuffle kind of going on, and then like a nice tapping intro that. Uh, the guitar player's doing it's it's just a solid song and the chorus is really good it's, a, it's just a all-around really great record and kind of a great uh continuation of like where uh worship and tribute left off a... yeah worship and tribute and the first record They're, those are classic albums man it's like S still not a fan of the first record no my my singer he loves glass jaw man he's just, that's one of his favorites and uh, he's those first two records. We lived together, so I heard, and we toured together. You know, we we lived back in the day together. And we toured together, and I heard those records every day. <laughs> and he was just really into it. And my old guitar player Andy, he was re he loved, loved Glassjaw as well. And uh, yeah, man. Uh, let me see where else. What other record? Um, the latest Living Color album. I really enjoyed. I haven't heard that. The last one I had heard of theirs, and they're like a band that's always like a fringe band that I I, I know I enjoy. I just never remember to actively listen to. But they put out that record, and I think at this point it's probably a decade old. But uh, was the one that had the back and black cover on it? Oh, uh, I don't know which one that is. That's that's Living Color. Yeah. Yep. I haven't heard that. No. Okay. I've not heard that. But you had the Living Color album when I. I didn't even know they had a new record coming out. I I, I kept keep seeing their stuff. You know, I followed them on you know on social media and on all the platforms. You know, and and then all of a sudden I see that they have a record. And you know, I said, let me check. And I heard the single. I was like, damn, this is like really really good. And I got it. I got all these records I have on vinyl, except the Glass Job. It's not available on vinyl, I don't think. But uh, um, if you were signed onto their Merch Now mailing list or whatever, they sent out like flexi discs, real randomly. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I've been trying to buy one, but no one wants to sell it, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. The the the, had, the thing is that really I didn't know about the Living Color. It's got three covers on it, three cover songs. There's a Robert Johnson one, I think a Marvin Gaye one, and there's a uh, a Biggie Smalls one. Oh wow, really? Uh, yeah, and uh, but yeah, that record's really cool. Production is real. That one sounds really good. You know, I didn't like I said I don't care about production, but I will mention that that record does sound amazing. Uh, what other records here? Uh, Power Trip, uh, Nightmare Logic. That was a band that uh, has been getting almost like Code Orange esque from a few years ago, just growing a lot of buzz about them. Yeah, they're like, 
my buddy kind of described him like a uh, hate breed meets Sepultura type of. Uh, I mean, I saw him live about two about a month or two ago here in Chicago, and they were really good. What really impressed me the most, yeah, I believe it's the heat that this is the correct band, but their drummer played with only one pedal. Oh wow! And it's it's very unheard of to hear a heavy band that does not have either a double bass or a double pedal. Right. You know, and he played, it was, and, and I just kept my eyes locked on this dude playing. <laughs> like I was on the side at the top and I'm like, man, so yeah, so it can be done. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I always kept wondering, how can you possibly play heavy music with no double bass? Even if it's just not a double bass run, it's just like, even just like little triplets and, like do it for to compliment fills and stuff like that, you know. But this dude just was throwing down a killer, killer drummer. They were really good, man. They I was really impressed with their show. Uh, they, they were catching them this year, hopefully. Yeah, they were here with uh, Exodus, I think it was, and it was really, really cool. And but uh, well, let me see what else I got here. Um, the Nothing More album. I really enjoy, which took me by surprise. I mean, I knew the band. We actually toured with them a couple times, or we did a few shows or something. And then I listened to this record, and it's like they took almost like a year and a half off. And they, I think they did a really, really good job on the record. Like as far as the creativity behind it was, was is ridiculous. Like how they wrote the songs. Uh, some of my friends co-wrote with them, and uh, their manager actually, Will, was the producer of the record. Okay. And, and Johnny, the singer, is also the producer. And I was very—I have not seen him yet on this cycle, but I was very impressed with this album. Let me see. We got off track, or I think. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, uh, other albums. Uh, Trivium. Trivium released a really good record. Uh, what's it called? Um, it's like, I can't remember the name of the record, but their new drummer is absolutely outstanding. Oh, that's right. They got a new drummer. I forgot about that. That guy is just probably, I mean, I've listened to all the Trivium stuff and they've had a, yeah, they've had quite a few drummers, you know, over the years and, and they, uh, they, uh, the new guy is just absolutely insane. Yeah. And I, so yeah, that's definitely a good record. I mean, uh, Speaking of new drummers, something I had read about or was discussing with somebody else randomly was, you know, every time I die, lost Daniel Davidson there. Well, he didn't, they didn't lose him. He he stepped down, and they ended okay. up getting uh, this new dude, Goose, from Norma Jean. And in the last, I'd say, this is like their fourth drummer in – third drummer in about four or five years, roughly. Um and it's one of those things where each record that they've gotten a new person when they started with legs on X lives and then ended up getting Daniel on this, this last record low teens, there just seems to be a new energy. So I kind of have wondered, and you being a drummer yourself, maybe you can kind of speak to this. If you've noticed this with other bands that have switched drummers, do you feel like maybe getting a new drummer kind of reinvigorates a band just due to like, Oh man, this person plays really hard. And you know, there's just a, a new excitement be with this person. I mean uh, that, well, yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, it, I mean, it could it could work to your favor. It can work against you. You know, like uh, having a good drummer in the band is extremely important. You know, like uh, uh, to me, I'm not speaking. I'm not saying that because I'm a drummer myself. But I mean, uh, I, I I have not seen like nothing more. They're 
drummers knew. You know, he wasn't the guy on the last record. And he is a great drummer, Ben. He is. A, he was in this band. Uh, God, what were they? I think they were called Letters from the Fire, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, and great drummer. He's added a lot. You can tell the band's got a little more vigor. You know what I'm saying? They got a lot more energy. You know, and like I said, when you're changing drummers, uh, that's an important decision, man. That is a very important decision, you know. And, and like Overkill has got Jason Bittner. Yeah, from X-Files. And, yeah, and that guy has completely elevated that band. Because he, I mean, he's got a nice track record. He's a great drummer. I mean... You don't get asked to fill in for Charlie Benanti and Anthrax if you suck. If if, <laughs> if, if if you suck, you know. So he he's definitely added. Like Gene Hoagland with Testament has added an amazing. I mean, coming from a guy Louis Clemente, who I thought it was a, was a great drummer. He's more of a simple thrash drummer. Mm -hmm. Then John Tempesta came in and added this whole energy, and then G Dave Lombardo came in and forget it. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> Dave Lombardo. I mean, uh, who can like. He's by far my favorite Testament drummer, but, but, um, I mean, but Gene Hoagland is also, he's a beast as well. I mean, I, he plays those old songs exactly how they were done. Right. So I, so it kind of limits him because that those drums are a little bit more simple. He has, he's not adding any of the Hoagland-esque style, but he's playing it true to the style, you know? So, uh. I think, yeah, there's some bands that, you know, I've not seen a band that's changed drummers where the energy has dropped. Yeah. Because I, I think that's a, that's a huge decision. You know, like, uh, I do remember <laughs> one time, uh, like, uh, uh, we were on tour on the OzFest. Uh, we were, it's the last day of the tour. And we went up there and jammed with Taproot. Okay. You know, like, and Elias sang, uh, I forgot the name of the song. And uh, I came in after the bridge. I sat in. Jared dropped off, and I sat in. And then Mike, after the show, he said, "Jesus Christ, I can hear the drums." <laughs> no, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a knock on Jared right. at all. It's just I hit. I hit so much harder. Yeah. Than 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 him, you know. So I hit, and I was using his sticks. I were little tiny sticks. Yeah. I usually I usually use. Uh, um, they're called uh, Vader Night sticks. They're huge. Yeah. Almost like a yeah. one. Yeah, it's a lower. It's one less, one stick lower than a marching band drum. Okay. And, and th these things are massive. You know, they have, they, everybody calls them baseball bats. You know, and, and <laughs> so I went up there and played. He said, "Geez, I can hear the drums." I'm just a different kind of drummer. I like to hit hard. You know, that's what I do. You know, and and also another band that actually benefited from a drummer change was uh, Hatebreed. Yeah. Uh, Matt, great, great guy, great. One of my favorites. He added an energy in, into the band that, you know, they've always been energetic. But when he came into the fold, yeah, and his his drumming is just so precise, and I just love how, how you know he's doesn't need he's not super technical, but Hebrew's not a they're not they're a groove. Oh yeah, they have a lot of groove in their music, you know, and he just complements that band so well. And so it's yeah, I've seen that happen where a drummer comes in and. Change, you know, adds to the to the whole situation. You know, I was just reminded of when I saw Corn when David messed up his wrist and they had Mikey Borden playing for him instead. Beast. And a lot of people seemed really upset, and I remember my dad and I just walking away. It was like, holy shit, Mike Borden played drums for Corn tonight. Like, how rad is that? He and, is a great, and I bet and I never got to see him with him. I saw him with Joey Jordanson. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and my buddy uh, Clint from Seven Dust was yeah. actually playing with them at the time. Yeah, he was one of the and, players, and, I think, at that point. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was the, one of the dudes in the back. And uh, But uh, Joey, I mean, the songs were a little faster. Yeah. That's what I did. But I would have loved to seen him with Mike Borden, man, because I, I, Mike Borden's one of those underrated guys that uh, he's one of the best drummers that's ever come out. You know, it's like one of the precise hits hard. Yeah. You know, he, I mean, he got to play with Ozzy. You know, he got to play with I think he played with Jerry Cantrell. Yep. Solo uh, stuff. Solo stuff. Yep. Yeah. Solo stuff. So, I mean, he's a just he's made some good rounds. He's an incredible, incredible drummer. And then uh, another one I remember getting to see and being like equally amped on when we saw Ted Nugent. It's at some point, I think uh, Rod Morgenstein was playing. We're like, holy shit! <laughs> yes, uh, the guy from Winger. Yes, and then uh, yeah. when I saw Winger, I was like equally stoked that uh, they had. They're one of the only bands, really, I can think of from that era that's never had a not original lineup. Like when they tour, they always. Yeah, yeah, work. I think they've. I think they have. They have those guys. I, I think. But I mean, when you have Red, Red Beach, Red, and then I think isn't Red Beach and Whitesnake? He is. Yep, him and uh, I think. Joe. Uh, Joe Hulk, Joe yeah. Hulkstra, Joe Hulkstra, yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, they, Rod Morrison, he comes from the he comes from the Dixie Drags. I mean, he's a t- total jazz dude, you yeah. know. So, guy's an incredible, incredible drummer. Also, Morgan from Seven Dust, he filled in for Motley Crue. Yeah, well, wasn't I, I was thinking about the other person that filled in for Motley Crue? Wasn't it the drummer from Hole? N- n- yeah, her Samantha, Samantha. Yeah, I think so. Her and then what? Will Hunt uh, also yeah. filled in yep. for Miley Crew, but Morgan did it, and it, I saw some video. This sounded great. I never. That's one of the few people I've never actually looked at video to see how it was. But I mean, I just it's it's he just seems to come from that Tommy Lee school anyway. So it's like I just imagine it's gonna yeah. be you know stick tricks and <laughs> all that shit anyway. Yeah, it was it was it was second nature to him. You know, yeah, it's like exactly. it, 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 Morgan's one of those guys that I think can jump into any situation and. and He's just a beast of a drummer, you know. Yeah. Like that, if I had twenty five percent of his talent, I'd be a happy man. So, if I had um, a quarter, a quarter of his talent, I'd definitely be happy. So, back to the list. What else is uh, made your list? Um, Arch Enemy, the uh, Arch Enemy album. Our new one. Yeah, yeah, Arch Enemy. I enjoyed. I think uh, Alyssa is a great addition to the band. I've read some negative stuff online about her. But it's they, get, they oh they want Angela back, but they don't understand that Angela left Picture the band. And she's the manager of the band, and so. she yeah she manages the band, so, so it's not like she's, she's gone. <laughs> she's still involved. She's just not yeah. the singer, and you got to respect that. If they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. Yeah, there's but, more uh, respect for at least staying involved in the process and not just completely like leaving. Yeah, I think uh, I think that Angela has done a wonderful job. She's got the presence. She's a beautiful woman. It looks great on stage. Just that voice is just demonic. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. You know, and I think she's a great addition to the band. I don't. I don't see why all the. You know, you. But do you remember you know, when Angela joined the band? There was a lot of hate that she wasn't uh, the dude before her. I see. I just recently found out, like maybe six months ago, that there was a guy before her. Oh yeah. I had, but they made their mark with her. Yes. You know, like yes. That. Yeah, but yeah, but she was great too. I mean, yeah. she was uh, amazing um, in that band. But you know, it's just one of those things. All of a sudden, you want to step down. You know, you don't want to do it. You have to respect that. At least she's still involved. Yeah. You know, she's probably. I'm sure she has helped uh, Alyssa probably. a huge amount. A huge amount. You know, uh, stepping into those shoes and filling that void. I think Alyssa was with the Agonist, right, or something like that. Uh, I think so. And then there was drama yeah. with her leaving that band too. 
Yeah, so they have a new Agnes has a new new girl and singer. Yeah, actually, she she dates one of my buddies and uh, the guy who sang on the Stuck Mojo record. Oh, okay. The, uh, the on the uh, yeah, the, yeah, Robbie on the new guy. That's his girlfriend. Okay. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, the, uh, those records are the ones that I really enjoyed. You know, a lot. You know, I think the I think 2017. I know there's more. It just I just never really paid much attention to what was out there. You know, I it's think, like. Uh... I think it'll be funny because my list is a, a little bit more varied. Uh, Code Orange, I'll knock right off just because. Uh, yeah. I already, you already, that was on yours, but I had seen that band play at a 400 cap room here uh, with Twitching Tongues. Uh, what the they, intersection? No, it was <laughs> it's a, play, a pyramid scheme. It only holds, yeah, like 400. It's a 420 cap room, yeah. and there was maybe 40 people at the show. Wow. And like everyone still went ape shit like they like you've seen in videos for Twitching Tongues and Code Orange. But it was yeah. weird just to see how much growth the band had from uh uh I Am King to Forever. And this record, yeah. like when I heard it, it just it didn't leave my, my iPod or my phone basically for probably a solid month. I just kept going back to it. And it's like, you know, someone was shitting on it recently, like on their, it made their year endless, but collectively everyone's like, yeah, this, this record's not breaking any new ground and it's not as genre defining as everyone makes it seem like it is. But on the same token, it's like, I'm not seeing anyone that's that young. That's trying to incorporate such a radical shift in what they're doing while still paying, like still doing something that is true to themselves, but still, pushing forward and kind of tipping the hat to what has been i mean someone was making the the shitting on reba for basically wearing like all these like old 90s like band shirts and stuff like you know fear factory and, and stuff like that and it's like why why is that a concern like it, it should just be based on the music not how a band looks and i think clearly that band doesn't give a shit how they look because i mean they i mean it's one of the refreshing things like you're not seeing like them trying to make uh reba like all dressed up and look pretty and sell the band based on that it's just like no we're you know for like four now five people just making music and we want the music to speak for itself the problem with the problem is you know is social media people have a voice mm -hmm. and, mo and most of the time you know a, a lot of those opinions are just stuff that in my mind i would never even think of saying so what if they're wearing <laughs> a 90s shirt who gives a shit if they're wearing a 90s shirt i know like how this possibly affect your life that you have to make a comment. Oh, this band sucks because that girl. It was it the girl you're talking about. Yeah. Was it the yeah? yeah why? Because they want to wear a nighty shirt. Who gives a flying fuck if they do that? I just <laughs> I don't. don't I just don't understand why. And that, man, I, you go on to these sites uh, that are that have the ability to leave comments, and, and it's like I re I read it and I just laugh. It's like wow, these people just. Ate, woke up, ate a hate sandwich, and let's boom, <laughs> let's let's go in there and start typing. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's not just for my band; it's every single band out there. Like every band is a target to hate. It doesn't yeah. matter who the fuck it is. Yeah. And uh, the people shitting on Code Orange are people who are just jealous, or, or because they're getting all the attention. But I think they're what they're doing is completely different than any hardcore bands doing are doing out there. No, for sure. They're otherwise they wouldn't be getting. I mean. They, they wouldn't be getting all the attention. Power Trip, for another band that has come up, I just think there there was some there's just something about the band yes. that people are gravitating to. You know, well, like it's based on the music, not 
any other thing that's being pushed down your throat like oh this you know whatever insert whatever stupid story like they're signed to whatever hot label they're using whatever hot producer like it's just the music that's doing the talking for them which is what it should be exactly um so go so go on with your list so who else who else do you have 18 visions put out a fucking banger of a record uh wow i comeback. have i haven't li- i haven't listened to that we did a, a few shows of those guys back in the day i know they had a they had a following there for a while. Weren't they called like Burn Halo? Some of those dudes. Uh, that was James, their singer. Uh, that okay. was his other band, Burn Halo. Um, okay. So, but yeah, Eighteen Visions. Basically, this is like a comeback record for them. Uh, they took. Uh, I mean, because the last record they did was uh, their self-titled record, and it was more like kind of the, a sign of the times back then, like the. I mean, I love this band, but I mean, think of like the Atreus and stuff like that, where it was like about sort of like just sh- shredding and like a lot of like poppy singing and stuff like that. But it was like sort of metal, metalcore, whatever. But it, it kind of leaned more into that. There wasn't really a whole lot of what it started from on like until the Ink runs out when they had uh, Brandon from Bleeding Through still in the band and writing a lot of stuff. It, yeah. went, it went back to that, like where it's just straight up pissed aggressive the whole way through. Uh, something the band used to do, and a lot of hardcore bands used to do back in the day, uh, they had samples from movies. Yeah. Um, and they, there's a few of those in this. It's a band that basically kind of came back with the new production and, like, you know, the. I think they're using. They're either down tuned quite a bit, or maybe they're using seven, eight strings. I'm not sure exactly. But it's just. It's basically like a return to form for the band with the new. New toys, basically, new production, yeah. stuff like that, and they haven't sound they haven't sounded better in my eyes. And I'm hoping that the success of this record and the the little bit of touring they're doing, like we're actually gonna go, my wife and I are gonna go see them next month, uh, out in LA, um, and finally see them. I'm gonna have James do a chat with me. But it's awesome. uh, one of those things where it's it just reminds me of like why I love supporting old bands that just fucking do it and they just slip back into it. And you're like, fuck, this band is so good, and this is why. Um, I do remember. I do remember hearing a couple songs back in the day. I thought they were really cool. That's one band I would love to tour with, just because of how different they are, you know, from yeah, us. Yeah. And I think I think our crowds would. Uh, Surprisingly, would I think really, that would be a good cross section. Uh, yeah, because the I fans think, are I old think, enough. Yeah, like we we've played with bands like Ale- Asking Alexander. We've done a few shows with those dudes, and those crowds like. I mean, there were a lot of young kids, but they really enjoyed our band. You know, yeah. it's like so. I, th- I think a, a band like Eighteen Visions would be really cool. That's uh, once you drop that hint of James there for the future. Maybe I will <laughs> when I see him. Um, another one that's kind of a surprise to some people is uh, that I, I like rap as much as I do. Granted, it's more mainstream-ish now, but uh, yeah. I think the new Kendrick Lamar record that he put out, "Damn." That was yeah. a, a solid record. And what was interesting is it completely 180 kind of from where To Pimp a Butterfly left off, like where that was such a, yeah. a conceptual record and, and everything flowed into its, itself and it was very self-contained you know, as a whole. This one seemingly was a lot looser and a, a kind of a different form for Kendrick as far as some of the styles he was using and what he was kind of rapping about. But then recently someone was like, oh, well, you know that he made a comment that it's supposed to be played backwards. Like, that's how the track listing is supposed to go. And I was like, oh, no. And I go, well, that kind of makes more sense because, like, as the record keeps going further in, like, it seems to flow a lot better. But when you listen to it from as it sits, it there's, like, some songs that just don't seemingly fit right where you're like, I feel like this should have gone 
differently. But like when they yeah. told me that, it's kind of reinvigorated my my appreciation for the record and going back and listening to it in this this different way and in, in the different uh, format and kind of almost hearing a story, the same story you've heard but being told from a completely different perspective. Yeah, well, I mean, I ha- I haven't heard it. My singer loves Kendrick Lamar. He's it's a huge. So well, my my, my singer is a huge hip hop fan. I mean, massive massive hip hop fan. So he talks about Kendrick Lamar a lot. I I don't remember any of his songs. Yeah, like, I, I don't I, I don't really follow my 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 hip hop is more that I listen to is more like underground like La Coca Nostra, Jedi Mind Tricks. Okay. I listen I listen to that kind of hip hop. I don't listen to the more mainstream. Yeah. Type stuff, but you know. But Elias likes that a lot, and I'll, I'll check it out. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, it's more like on the the realm of like conscious rap, if that makes more yeah. like think of like De La Soul or stuff like that. Like it would kind of fit more okay. into like that kind of realm. Um, okay. The other hip, the other rap record to make it on my my thing is uh, Jay Z's uh, Four Forty Four, and it was a slow burn for me because I'm used to Jay kind of having this bombastic, like overly pro- like big name producers overly produced stuff, kind of. In the last till till like the last like four or five records, I say, being more like I have these things, I have money, I have you know I'm better than you because I I did these yeah. you know just kind of like that kind of thing, and it's fine. It's more like you know like what I like to call like club bangers, like where it's like you're looking for that single that can be banged in a club or whatever that's gonna get people you know dancing and shit, and that's fine. Like that's the career that he's kind of had more recently, but it seemed like since he hooked up with Kanye on that uh, Watch the Throne record. Like, he's kind of been in this weird space, like, where he's trying to to kind of recapture the sound he had, like, on Reasonable Doubt and Volume 2, even sort of into, like, Volume 3, and telling stories again and kind of being, you know, emulating, you know, Biggie and and Tupac and and Nas and a lot of the people that he grew up, you know, idolizing and kind of grew up with. And, you know, so did did I, you know, as a almost mid-30-something now. But this record was really vulnerable, and for as much as everyone was saying that this is basically his answer to Beyonce's Lemonade, which is a record that was one of my top records last year, for just how di- like diverse and exposed it was, I think this is yeah. probably the most vulnerable Jay-Z record I've ever heard. And that's saying something when you go back and look at Reasonable Doubt and look at some of the songs that he's got on that telling the stories of, of him growing up. But this is stories from an adult, like a man, a man who's realizing, like, life's kind of finite in that like when you make mistakes you need to own up to it and shit like that and yeah it's it's not necessarily the most well like it's not the most produced record by any stretch a lot of times there's some songs that are very very minimum arrangements and it even seems like some of the the final the final uh verses or whatever the takes that are being used on this maybe weren't the best but they were the most raw and honest and yeah. so it's it's interesting to see someone that's you know twenty some odd years into a career kind of completely change what they're doing. And I mean, as as a person who likes change, and some of my lists will reflect that a little bit. It's it was really refreshing to see someone that's you know been kind of stuck in a rut of sorts and has been known for kind of one thing, kind of completely changing and being willing to be vulnerable. And and I'm kind of really interested to see where another record goes if there is another record to come from him. Yeah, I mean, I I don't follow Jay Z much, but you know, we actually did a cover "Ninety Nine Problems," you know, live a couple times, and and our crowd really enjoyed that, you know. But uh, I don't follow another one. Another one of Liza's favorites, yeah. uh, Jay Z. He loves he loves hip hop. You ever want to have a, a hip hop 
uh, podcast with him, that'd be the guy to do it with. <laughs> I, him or him, him or Rashi, my guitar player. He he knows probably every single rap hip hop song in existence. It's always funny because like when talking with some people, there you know, like there's some people I'm really passionate about and I can talk a lot about, but then equally there's so much more stuff where it's like. Like, so, like, you know, you're mentioning uh, Jedi Mind Tricks. I'm aware of who they are, and, like, I would be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, sometimes I'll still listen to, like, Bus Driver and stuff like that, and it's like, to some people, like, that's, people have no clue who that is, but then other people are like, oh, yeah, you know, he's okay. So, I mean, it's kind of funny when you get into any any kind of music talk that eventually it's sort of, there's sometimes where you can speak in depth about a lot of stuff, and then there's, like, someone who's, like, on that, but then, like, to the nth degree and are able to talk so much more where you're just like, yeah, I've heard of that guy once. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. another another record actually that I didn't mention. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name of this band. Okay, uh, it's P V R I S Paris. 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 Is that Paris? Okay. Yeah, they were one of those bands that uh, was jumping on that trend of like this sort of like gothicy kind of thing where your A's are V's and like yeah. you like you like yeah your V's are A's and stuff like that so yeah I really um, one of my buddies uh, Sean Glass he sent me a text with the with the I think it was a YouTube link or uh, something so I listened to it and uh, I really I heard first it was the White Noise album and it came out last year and then I listened to the one that came out this year it's like wow yeah. and that's just so so different for me to listen to you know, it's not my normal stuff that I would, it's, there's like pops, pop influences, but there's your gothic influence. And all of a sudden there's a fast drum and a guitar coming in, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so there's a lot of different stuff going on in there. And, and I really enjoyed that girl's voice. Yeah. A lot. I a, think a band that I think takes it to another level next year. Yeah. There, there, it's another, something that completely out of the box for me to listen to. And that's one of my, uh, one of my, I guess, I don't want to say guilty pleasure because it's not because it's, it's a really good band. Uh, yep. They're really they're to me a good song is a good song. It's no matter who totally who who writes it. Just like you you were telling one of your Beyonce record was one of your tops last year. It's really good. I mean, there's a like, song with like I don't just I don't think the song that she did with Jack White deserved to be nominated for a rock Grammy. But I will yeah. say, like, when that song comes on, it's it's there's so many, like, what I call palate cleansing moments, like, where it's, like, something happens, and then there's, like, a, a shift, like, the song that comes in. And that song was one where I wouldn't have expected Jack White to collaborate with Beyonce, but when you when you hear the final product, you're like, all right, I, I see this. This works surprisingly yeah. well. And I think it just kind of speaks to the level of talent between Jack White and excuse me, Beyonce, to be able to work together and come up with something that works for that's both. A, that's awesome. I mean, I, I've never, I've always been a fan of artists working together and, and, and you know, I, sometimes it takes, sometimes two people from two different genres come together and make something amazing. You know, it doesn't, like I said, a good record's a good record. Yeah. Like that. She had she had that song called Baby Boy. Yep. Back with in the, Sean with Paul. that, it was Sean Paul, which I thought was an incredible song. Yeah. I back thought when, it was back great. When, like, Regatron yeah. was coming coming around. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought the it's, it's Hook City. There's a yeah. bunch of hooks on that song, and that song just could not get out of my head. And I watched the <laughs> video, and I thought it was I, I thought it was a great song, you yeah. know. And, and it's still one of my favorites. So I don't listen to Beyonce, but I do like that song. She's got you know, she's uh, grown on me over the last two records she's put out. Yeah. Um, kind of speaking out of out of left field a little bit. Uh. Chris Stapleton uh, is a country singer that has seemingly blown up out of nowhere in the last probably two years or so. Yeah. And he put out a record 
about two years ago at this point called uh, Traveler, which has been pretty much like usually when I'm gearing up for a podcast, that is 99% of the time what I'm listening to pre like calling the person and just jotting notes down. And yeah, it, the whole reason I ended up finding out about him was I went to see Aaron Lewis do a show here, his country stuff. And I was reviewing the show and I was trying to make the point about how seemingly forgiving fans are of the fact that he still plays a lot of covers in his set. And one of them, when I was kind of going through the set list and looking, uh, was I was like, oh, you know, one of my favorite songs off of his new record is the song uh, Whiskey and You. And then as I looked it up and was trying to Google it just to make sure, like, I had it right that it was off of, like, the record he was supporting, it kept pulling up Chris Stapleton. And I'm like, what the fuck? So then I listened to that and I was like, oh, this version's so much better than what Aaron was doing. Like, I mean, obviously he wrote it. And then I found out on this rabbit hole of just listening to this record and then finding out that Chris used to write for a bunch of people and is what, like kind of like a Lady Gaga or whatever. Or like You just kind of come out from behind the, the producer kind of yeah. scene and then just start doing your own stuff. And, I mean, that dude's just got a voice. And it's like I'm not big on country as it stands now because it just I don't feel like it has anything of relevance to say. But it remind, Chris's stuff reminds me of like, the music that I hated my dad playing like Johnny Cash and stuff like that, that I've since grown yeah. to love as an adult and understanding the storytelling aspect of these songs. And, and that's very much what this record that he traveler has done. And then he put out, uh, these two, these two albums called from a room one and two. And the second one just came out. Uh, so I haven't had too much time to listen to that, but, uh, I mean, once again, like it's just a great voice, great music. And I mean, Sometimes like I enjoy sitting around with either like a PBR or like a, a decent glass of whiskey and just having these songs on and just just having fun drinking tunes. I mean, yeah. Kind of again, Elias loves Chris Stapleton. He, he was he was playing their stuff uh, last time we hung out. He was playing their stuff. It's really good. You know, I think it's he really enjoys it. To me, country has never been one of my favorite genres. I mean, they all talk about the same thing. To me, it all sounds exactly the same. The songs are in the same key. To me, it could be the same guy singing. Yeah, I can't really tell the difference, but I do enjoy Shooter Jennings. Uh, uh, this is definitely in that 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 mind like frame. Yeah, roughly. yeah, I do. I do like Shooter. My wife turned me on to him, and I didn't know he was Waylon Jennings' son. <laughs> yeah, I have not hence the Jennings name, but I didn't put two and two together. But yeah, yeah I, I listened to it, and he's more of like an outlaw rock country guy, you know, and and. She really enjoys Shooter, and, and, and I started listening to it, and, and I thought, well, say, this is kind of good, you know, and he's got good lyrics. You know, he bashes all these, actually, these <laughs> pop country artists, you know, pretending to be outlaw, but they're not. Right. You know, and so he, he's more of an underground country guy. He'll play like your 400-seater right. type of venue, you know, but she, you know, I really enjoy him. I think he's really cool. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because – when Chris just came through here, he played Van Andel, which is like one of our, like a mid-level size arena. And yeah. Yeah. Sold that thing out. So, I mean, that just kind of tells you where he's at like currently. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Next up on my list, uh, kind of going a lot heavier. Uh, Amir put out basically a really great comeback record and a statement record, uh, with look at yourself. Um, that that's with the whole new lineup, right? Yeah. Basically it is Joshua Travis from, glass cloud slash x tony danza tap dance extravaganza and uh, i want to say the bass player and maybe even the drummer are all from tony danza 
uh, as well. So basically, it's like his old band from way back in the day before he started up Glass Cloud with uh, Jerry Roush from uh, like Sky Eats Airplane and used to be the singer for Up Mice and Men and all that. Uh, yeah. So basically, when the Amir dudes, the band quit and basically said that Frankie was, you know, they were, he was making them write music that he didn't want and all this kind of shit and just kind of a bunch of like infighting basically out in public. Uh, I was really interested to see what was going to go on with this because they had done a few shows with with the lineup they have currently and they just basically played old stuff which got you know myself and a lot of the fans interested to be like is this the direction that the band's going to go again and it just kind of put out the record that they did where it's like there's none of the i would say kind of what frank just dumbed down like rap metal kind of stuff that you know was kind of relevant on the last record but just to kind of put out a disgustingly heavy record straight through and just be like here it is here we are like you didn't think i was we could make this record here it is like i'm very interested to see where this band goes it seems like when i went to warp tour uh this year in connecticut uh and have seen this band a couple of times on this record cycle it seems like the fans are really behind this record and i think this is gonna like kind of take the band to where it was at the height of their popularity and maybe a little bit bigger. So I'm really interested. This is a band I'm interested to see what they do from this point forward. Yeah, I have not I've not heard that. I've heard their old stuff, but I have not heard this new one. But now, since you've given me these suggestions, I'll go to the all Spotify and check it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, kind of an under-the-radar pick for me. There's this band, uh, and I did a podcast with their singer, and we kind of learned a little bit headspacey with some of their concepts and so forth. Uh, is this band out of Salt Lake City, uh, Idola. They are basically still an underground band. They're signed to a very small label, Blue Swan Records. Uh, but their singer, Andrew Michael Wells, is the guitar player for Dance Gavin Dance now. Uh, okay. So they're kind of at a, a slightly bigger profile. But basically, this band is like like a prog indie metal band, indie rock band. Like They mix so many genres and elements. It's almost kind of like Think Between the Barry to me, like as far as like how progressive and and you know kind of metallic like thrashy like it can get really technical they have some like you know breakdown kind of things but then they can get like really pretty with like swelly guitars and uh andrew's vocal range is just kind of all over the place like and just the concepts like you know this band doesn't really like everything this band does is there's a reason for it uh so it's they're a really exciting band i still haven't gotten to see them live uh i booked them on a tour that they unfortunately had to bail on the day before due to van issues but uh this is a band i'm really excited for i think 2018 is going to see them grow their brand and a lot more people are gonna find this band that's been around for a handful of years now and have like three records under their belt and be like holy shit um that's all idola how do you how, how do you how do you spell that e-i-d-o-l-a and their uh, newest E I D O L A. Yep. And their new album is called uh, "To Speak to Listen," and it's okay. Phenomenal. I'll same with their out. same with their album before that. Uh, Degenera is a really great record. Awesome. Um, kind of going back to interestingly enough, everyone always makes it kind of makes me feel bad when I put these two bands together. Uh, but Acacia Strain with uh, Grey Bloom. Uh, that's just a band, you know, very much like Hatebreed as far as. You know, Hatebreed doesn't deviate very much from what they do. I mean, un- yeah. just unapologetically heavy, and sometimes you need bands that do that. And Acacia yeah. Strain is one of those bands that, you know, I know what I'm going to get every time I, I buy a record, but I'm always, like, I didn't know you could get 
possibly any more disgusting <laughs> as far as yeah. the lyrical content and stuff like that. And it's just, they're just one of those bands for me where it's like, you want to go to the gym, you want to just like be mad and angry about something and, and do something positive with it. That's the band for you. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I've heard a couple songs. I'm not very familiar with them either, but uh, I'll definitely, I'll give them a, a spin. Um, another out of left field band, uh, more so for the turn that they took completely changing their sound on this one record uh, is a band called hundredth. They were a, uh, are they, are they, are they from the UK? No, they are from North Carolina, I think. Okay. And they, were they on war tour? Yes. Yep. Okay. My old bus driver was driving them on war tour. I think. Okay. I so think, he, I think that, that was, was I think that was the band that caught the yes. bus caught yep. fire. And that was the band. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was our bus. <laughs> okay. we, we 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 got off that bus two weeks before that fire happened jesus yeah um so hundredth was very much in the same vein as like a misery signals kind of like a, a melodic hardcore band yeah and they were working on i liked everything that they had been doing up until then they have probably three or four records out before this record uh rare and they put out a song and it's very shoegazy sounding okay okay so very indie rock shoegaze kind of stuff and the internet kind of broke and as much as for a smaller band like them and the fact that they're like what the fuck is this like is this just like a one song thing like the one weird song just to kind of be like hey we're a weird band or whatever the whole album is like that uh they they ended up getting the warp tour they were on the monster stage uh one of them basically like those two stages were all heavy metal bands and they didn't tell their label or anything. They just basically turned in the record, and they're like, okay, this is us. And the label backed it. They like they put it out. But going forward, they don't play anything other than stuff off of this record. So you're having all, like, Hatebreed and Candiria and Acacia Strain and, you know, all these bands like that. And then here comes, you know, 100th playing, like, indie shoegaze music <laughs> in the middle of all wow. that. Wow, um, that's crazy. It was interesting, though, because we a friend of mine was on Warp Tour this year, and he gave us one of those uh, all-access pass thingies. So we were able, yeah. they, they were one of the few bands we were able to actually see on stage, like side stage. And yeah. what was interesting, and I, you guys have done a couple of dates of Warp Tour, right? Yeah, back in the day we did. Okay. So what's interesting about being on a Warp Tour stage is that you, you kind of are side stage, but you're basically at the very back of it. So you can see basically what the band is seeing. Yeah, and it was just really weird to see the crowd kind of like look at them, like "what the fuck." And then about three songs in, people I think started kind of getting that they weren't going to hear any of the old songs and kind of just getting into it. So it was interesting to actually see it from that perspective, like seeing a, a crowd kind of coming around to what was being played. Well, I mean, so, I mean that's gutsy move from the band, you know. Like uh, even uh, Suicide Silence went through that. Like, yeah. yeah, they they did a very gutsy thing. And they defended themselves, and they just—I've never seen so much hate on a band, yeah, in my life. <laughs> in my, that was the most backlash I've ever seen on a band since uh, I can't even remember what band last got so much flack. But like, I—I've I, never seen so much hate in my life for one record from yeah. fans. But but I don't know how the record—I don't know how. The shows did that they did. I have no idea. I didn't. I didn't really see them live. I've only seen them live once, and that was with their with Mitch. I saw them with Mitch. Uh, they were opening up for Megadeth and Machine Head. 
back in the day, then 2009 or 10 or something. I never seen him with Eddie, right? Eddie Hermita. Yep. Yeah, he's I've the guy. Always... Is he is he from the guy from All All Parish? All Parish. Like all yep. Parish. So yep. I, I I never uh, seen him with uh, Eddie with Eddie singing. That. I don't know if the re- did they do a heavy record before this one with Eddie. Yeah, they did one with uh, Steve Evans, I think. Actually, I forget what the record okay. was called. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was. It was all right. I ended up see- the only time I've ever seen Suicide Silence was when they did were on that opening slot of the Corn Twenty Year Anniversary of the first record. Okay. And, I mean, the crowd seemingly was really into it, but I mean, the crowd I think was just so amped. It was probably one of the most crazy crowds I've been in for the age group that was there. Cause I mean, you figure yeah. that first qu- like everyone's at least my age or probably 10, 15 years older than me. Yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at anywhere from 30 to 40 something, maybe almost pushing 50 in some people's instances. But I mean, someone was playing the first, a couple of the first tracks off that first Slipknot record. And the crowd was literally moshing and singing to the shit being played over the PA. Dude, let me tell you a story. <laughs> uh, now, now that you said this, in 1991, or 90 or 91, I lived in Boston, and for about a year and a half, I saw Pantera for the first time there on the Cowboys from Hell tour. It was Pantera, Exodus, and Suicidal Tendencies was headlining. Pantera was opening. Okay. And from the crowd in there was, the place was, I mean, completely sold out testosterone was high <laughs> in that place i mean high they were moshing from the first song being played on the pa <laughs> then pen pantera mosh all through that change over pa moshing they were they were moshing to anything that was being played out of that pa whether it was the band or the house music yeah, but the, the house music that was being played was DRI, okay. Anthrax, Slayer. It was all heavy stuff, and I had never seen that in my life. With all the, con- I was twenty one years old at that time, or twenty, and I'm forty eight now, and, and I never have seen that. And still, that's the only time I've ever seen that. Yeah, I've never at seen a it concert that where people were moshing to. The house music, yeah, and I and I was right in the middle of it. I had I had the, <laughs> I had the mosh, I, and you know I had super long hair at that time, so there were skinheads that were pulling my hair. There were fights, <laughs> there were fights. There were people crowd surfing on top of me, but I was like ten rows back. There were people already crowd surfing from back there, yeah, from the from front of house all the way to the stage. I mean, I'd never seen a more insane concert, yeah, in my in my life. I, I and I left there so reinvigorated like i left there with the most i left there the happiest kid ever yeah you know because i saw there was blood and fights and not that i'm promoting fighting but it's these people were just so into it (laughs) you know they were so into it that those people probably forgot about their job if they had like a shitty relationship i mean they took it all out of their system so it's funny that you say that that people are moshing because I'd never heard of that before. That's why I had. That. That's why I had to tell you that story. I'd never seen that in my life, and it was really one of the most amazing moments of my life. That I'll like. This was before iPhones, before internet, before any of that shit. You couldn't even film at concerts. Right. There was not one fucking phone up yeah. in the air because nobody had them. 
There was no cell phones. If you were in trouble, you would pray to God you found a goddamn payphone. You know, <laughs> yeah. and that's the only thing. But that's what made that one of the – I don't think I'll ever see a concert that's special. Yeah. Where everybody, everybody was – nobody was looking at their phone. I, I don't condone. You want to be on your phone, I don't give a shit. I know, I know what day and age we're in. That's the way it is. That's, you, can't, you can't say that because people get upset. And you know what? Sure. I'm on my phone. I, I text at a concert. I, I get it. But back then, man, every single person in that crowd was looking at the show. Yeah. You know, everybody was paying attention. It was like nobody was on their phone texting or any of that stuff or put the phone in the air and look at the concert to their phone. You know, that's what people want to do. That's fine. Yeah. But, no, that but was man, that was man. how that whole show was. I mean, Suicide Silence like whipped everyone up. Like it was a really solid opener, and I was kind of surprised. Is that, is that was that with Eddie or Mitch? Nope, that was with Eddie. I've never seen him with Mitch. Okay, so this was before the last record. Yep, it was right. They were still in the midst of writing and recording. I think they were in the midst of recording it because I think there was like a gap of tours. Because, like, you know, like you're saying, like, a West Coast or East Coast or Midwest or whatever. I think they yeah. did, like, a little bit of, like, a West Coast run. Then, like, they took, like, a week or couple, like a week or two or maybe a month off and then redid the tour for the second leg, like, hitting everywhere else. So I think, like, in that gap of time, they went and started recording. Because I remember Eddie talking about how they're working on a new thing. Uh, they were thinking about, because they were like, oh, we really want to play some of this new stuff. We're really digging it, but, you know, we're still in the process of recording it. It'll be out, hopefully, at the time of the show. It was, like, kind of toward the end of the year. So, like, they're like, hopefully it'll be out early next year. So Yeah, that's cool. Then it was just really crazy to see, like you said, the uh, amount of shit that that record got. <laughs> I mean, I, I heard it. I mean, it's definitely different. I mean, it's yeah. not like anything they've done before. But yeah, I'm not in the band. Who am I to judge right. what they do? You know, I mean, do what I mean. If you listen to Deftones today, to what they were before, to me. yeah, I mean, to I mean, when I heard Adrenaline and then I heard Around the Fur, I mean, Adrenaline and the Fur are two. They're not alike at all. Nope. I I, I, I still I, hate I, the production on uh, Adrenaline. Well, Adrenaline. I mean, that was. It sounds to me. Like, see, I didn't care about that because it sounded like they were in a band jamming in the studio. That's yeah. what it sounded like to me, like a, an incredibly amazing sounding rehearsal. You know, like, uh, that's what it sounded to me. But there was so much energy behind that record. Yeah. But, when, but when Around the Fur came out and I heard Shove It yeah. for the first time, it's was like, holy shit. Like, you know, a lot of bands have this uh, jinx of bad sophomore. sophomore. Yeah. They did not have that issue at all. <laughs> that nope. record is outstanding. And then when you hear White Pony, you hear Adrenaline around the firm White Pony, it sounds like three different bands. Yeah, but I would even argue to a degree, and you know, as we kind of talked, because like Fallon was is like the majority of people who hated self-titled and never really gave self-titled nor uh, Saturday Night Wrist a fair shake. And so to me, like those are still... I mean, there's a couple of missteps on the record, but I mean, as a whole, I, I've honestly most of it almost <laughs> kind of goes like in progression. It's like my like most favorite probably is Diamond Eyes. Second would probably be might actually be the, the self-titled record, then Saturday Night like, Rift. So like, Diamond Eyes, Koyo no Khan, I thought was a great record too. You know, yeah. like I, I think they stepped it up on Diamond Eyes. Like, yeah, it sounded more Deftones. You know, and. and Gore, I've listened to a couple songs. I have not really, really checked it out. It's it's but, still uh, one I gotta. I think it'll, it's a grower. I, from what I'm hearing now, I think their new record's gonna be 
a lot more guitar based. I, I think mean, they're going to include like, Stefan in, in this one again. Yeah, I think they're going to bring maybe more heavy stuff, hopefully, you know. And, and but to me, around the fur is like one of my top ten. Like that record's just amazing from top from top to bottom. Even the hidden track in there is killer, right. you know. Yeah. So I think it was a Duran Duran cover, if I'm not mistaken. Boys Republic. So, yeah, I think or something like that. So uh, yeah, man, I. I Deftones definitely a band that's changed, you know, and, and <laughs> a lot, you know, and, and they're still they're still doing they're still kicking ass, so people still love them. So and uh, my last record of the year, uh, kind of a surprise too, because I'm I was never really big into this band, but I ended up because of Toomey, he ended up getting the record ahead of time, gave it to me to review, and then I set up a interview with the singer just to kind of go through it since he hadn't really obviously talked about the record, and I'm sure he was interested in doing such. Uh-huh. Uh, is the He Is Legend Few record. Okay. It's uh, great, great. Saw them live once. Great band. Yeah, really great band. Uh, as a result, it's kind of made me go back and check out the back catalog and kind of get into that a lot more. But there's just, I don't know, there's just kind of something about this record that it's, I wouldn't say haunting per se, but like it just kind of always like kind of, excuse me, sticks with me where I'm always kind of like coming back to it and finding little nuances and things in the production where it just kind of keeps me bringing back and it's like and it's just like great solid you know tunes good riffs good drums good vocals you know just kind of the whole package it's a it's a solid record from start to finish a lot of uh different kind of things like i remember when talking with skylar i was like you know one song on here uh skits or fritz the dog i was like it kind of has a very mr bungle mike patney kind of vibe to it like was that an influence or whatever and he's like you know you're probably going to be the only one that would ever say that anything i've done is is mike Patton, you know influenced or whatever but yeah he's he's a you know big influence of mine and you know a good catch uh so it was kind of funny to you know listen to this record and kind of think of something like that or hear something and and you know tell someone like i got a real strong this vibe and then be like i hope you don't think i'm an asshole for saying that and they're like no i I love that person or that band so uh are are they on spine farm i think they're on on spine farm yeah they're on yeah we're label mates that's awesome and and it's another band i would love to hit the road with because it's just a band that's different you know and and and, you know i rather we want to tour with no more like different kinds of acts you know it's where they bring something different to the table, you know, and I think so. as someone who books shows, like I always try to not have five of the same band. Cause I mean, I can only listen to the same thing so long before I'm like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's just, uh, that's definitely, uh, when we book headlining shows, you know, our tours, you know, we try to find the best package available and give something to people that, you know, we've succeeded and we have not succeeded, you know, and, just a matter of availability, you know, and and, right. and all the you know the the political and all the logistical stuff that comes through with finding the right bands, money, you know, and all blah 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 blah. But yeah. uh, we try to put the best packages together for sure. So let's uh, kind of slowly start winding this down and and get an get a glimpse into 2018. What are some bands that you're you're looking forward to? Well, as, uh, I don't know who's actually. Well, I'm looking forward to the new Judas Priest album. I mean, okay. I, I I heard a couple. Of, well, they released a snippet or something, and it sounds really cool. I'm looking forward to listening to the Machine Head record. Um, you know, that comes out like in two weeks or something like that. So, I've and, heard it's uh, very. Uh, some people are saying it's kind of going back to whatever that like, the Burning Red is that what it was? 
That, that's what I've heard too. I mean, I, I've only heard two songs, and it's definitely different from the last three records that they've done. But I mean, uh, Matt, but, or, uh, Matt, Rob's done a really good job of uh, saying ahead of time, like it's it's not going to be like the last few records. So I mean, in this day and age, I don't know what more you can do. Where you, if you're like pre-telling people, like, hey, it's don't expect it to sound like these last few, and then people start bitching. It's like, well, I fucking told you. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and if he would have released an album that sounded like the last couple, oh, it's more of the same. It's like you, it's, you, can't you lose. You yeah. can't win. You yeah. can't fucking win in this day and age. You can't win. Only a few bands have been able to do that. Where they stay, they stick to the style, you know, and stuff like that. But when bands change, people get upset, and if they're they're the same, then people get upset. It's like, you know, why don't you go up there and write me a goddamn song, then? <laughs> you know, it's, if, it's, if you're so pissed and you think we could you could do better or whatever, you know, it's just I just it, it sucks for bands that want to experiment, you know. And uh, I think the the best part of being a musician is to do, you know, you have to be, you know, to be kind of constantly creative. It's hard to be creative to to bring out. What if you want to do something new to your like Papa Roach on their last record? They they experimented with stuff and it's doing great for them, you know. And that you know, it's it's. It, I'm, I'm happy for the guys. You know, they've they've done a couple shifts in their music. You know, actually, and, and it's, it's always worked out for them. So it's funny you mentioned that. I reached out to Dave Buckner uh, a couple of days ago to try to get um, him on here, and it, it might happen. I don't know. He uh, seems open to it, but. Uh, Interestingly enough, the one of the only times, the first time I had ever seen them was when you guys came through here at the Orbit Room on their Love Hate Tragedy tour. Holy shit! Yeah, was that what that was? Reach four five four, I think, was on that tour too. I don't think I made it in time because as a minor, I was pre-drinking with a friend of mine who was of age to drink. (laughs) Uh, That was a that was a great tour, by the way. It was, and I remember actually talking with you in the lobby uh, for a little while, and then Elias had the other thing that always reminds me makes me remember that show outside of just how sparse the sparsely attended it was because no one that record for Papa Roach did really bad, uh, which it's honestly I think it's probably my favorite record start to finish of theirs still um, okay but i remember elias ended up on a vh1 thing about bands and like groupie chicks or whatever oh yeah and very poorly done and yep how how that was put together was not even close you know, yeah, remotely was... close to what happened yeah that's what <laughs> it's he, like... we, we talked about that for a good probably 20 minutes because he's like i was like oh weird meeting you like i didn't think i'd actually end up meeting you or whatever uh, but yeah, I, you know, was talking about it. I was like, I just saw this thing last night with him. He's like, Jesus Christ, man. I was, I've been getting text messages and this is when text messages cost money still. And he's like, so I have a lot yeah. of un, unanswered text messages, uh, as a result of that. And, uh, blah, blah, blah. Hey, look, the only, the only benefit we got is that we got our song, your science played on BH one. That's the only benefit <laughs> yeah. that we got. Cause that was like the dumbest documentary or whatever. That was so stupid. Uh, you know, they're trying to put these two people together that you saw once in the two years yeah. or twice in two years. What, what kind of relationship is that? Yeah. <laughs> it was but, so dumb. It but I so remember dumb. you and I were talking, I think, just about, like, random drummers and, and just really random stuff. And then uh, I said something because uh, you were like, oh, 
did you? I think I was gonna have you sign something as well. I think I have my ticket still that you guys signed. But uh, you were like, "Oh, you, you, did you get a shirt or something like that?" I was like, "Nah, I, I think I was like I didn't have enough money to get a shirt." And you gave me one. But the irony was, is like I weighed probably like one twenty five at that point, and you yeah. gave me a triple XL shirt <laughs> that had there was like the one two three uh, fuck that on the back. Oh, okay. So I had that for so long, and then eventually I was just like, I'm just gonna donate this because like even still, like even though I've gained probably like another fifty pounds since then, I was like, this still it just looks like i'm swimming in this thing <laughs> but i just like well, held on to it because i was like you know the dude in the band gave it to me so like i don't want to be an asshole and be like oh, fuck this thing but it just kind of comes to the point where it's like you just realize like i, I do get, get uh, use I, out of it what i do remember about that show was uh uh what, I, what, I, what something happened in one of the opening bands oh uh, that they couldn't make it or somebody was i don't know something happened but I do remember, I do remember that show, I, I, the Grand Rapids, because I love playing the Orbit Room. I've always loved that venue. You know, we did so many shows back there, like from 2001 to 2006, we played so many times there. It seems like you were around my... every couple of months on like a Jaeger tour or a Budweiser tour or whatever. Yeah, we were on the first record, we toured a lot of Michigan, and then we haven't played, the last time we played there, we played there with Megadeth. And uh, no, that was at the Orbit Room. Okay. Oh, it was, uh, yeah, Me- yeah, it was yeah, Megadeth, yeah. Megadeth and Fear Factory. Yeah. And then, but we usually play the intersection, you know, the big room or the small room. The last time we played the intersection, we played the small room, and it was so packed, and it was so awesome. Yeah. It was a killer show. What else are you looking forward to? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what releases are coming out. You know, I have no idea. I don't know. Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't know either. My list is just kind of like shit. Like I, th- I know like one band, two bands. I know for sure are putting out new records. The rest is just kind of like, eh, you know, I've been hearing that you know they're due for a record, and I've heard like things are potentially in the works. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Judas Priest is the only thing I know that's coming out, and everything comes out in March. Uh, well, actually, D. Snyder. Oh, the record he's working on with Jamie Josta. Yeah, I am definitely looking forward to listening to that because I've always been a fan of D. Snyder's voice, and I just love Jamie. Jamie's just a, such a good dude, and, and I'm definitely looking forward to checking that out and hopefully get together with the dudes and start writing some new music at some point, you know, and, and we've been kind of taking time off, not doing much, so, but everybody's hanging out with their families and doing their thing, so. I already kind of mentioned them with the Code Orange, but Twitching Tongues, I guess, is getting ready to put out a new record uh, soon in the new year. Uh, Andy from Eated was saying that Colin, their singer, gave him a copy of it before it's out, and he said it's it's really good. Uh, but I'm interested to see what uh, Sean from X Hate Breed, Sean Martin, is in the on that in that band now. And oh, he is. Yeah, so I'm interested to see oh, what uh, what he brings to the table on this new record because it's a band Man, that I, I like. I haven't seen that dude in forever. Yeah, he was just uh, Twitching Tongues was on that Hatebreed tour. They just went around, and Sean would come out and do some of those Perseverance era songs with the guys. Oh, shit, that's awesome! So for a little bit, they were a three three guitar band. <laughs> you know what? Actually, a band that I'm that I'm hearing based on what their drummer said like, is there's a new Tool record coming out next year. Yes, supposedly from what from what Danny Carey said. So I mean, that's uh, I'm hoping it, it isn't like the last one. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm an Anima guy. Yep. I, that's 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 my favorite one of my favorite records of all time i still play the hell out of that album it's just perfectly written perfectly done uh, i kind of wish that, they would go a little more like they did on uh fuck uh opiate 
but kind of a little oh. more like aggressive and pissed off to go with yeah. some of the more technical shit they're doing. Well, they're doing they're doing all the they're doing like rock on the range and stuff. So they 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 might be releasing something new. We'll see. Hopefully, um, another yeah. one kind of maybe odd for some would be uh, new Esley dying maybe. Yeah, I saw that they posted on their site. It said activity. So we'll see. We'll see what they're doing. Like maybe uh, homeboys back. Maybe they all is forgiven. You know. Maybe uh, I. We'll I see. don't. I don't. Well, that's the thing is I don't. I'm. Those last. Let, pretty much everything that they put out, I've I really enjoy. So I mean, I kind of really don't care per se, like who's in the band or whatever. Like because I know Tim writes a lot of stuff. So part of me is like, well, if that's your base, then I think you should kind of be on board. But. I don't know. Like in a perfect world, I would love to see the the band as it was when it ended be the band that comes yeah. back and just put out a monster record. But I don't really know how you, I don't know how you can reconcile as a band. Like, hey, you basically single handedly like tanked our careers. And then there was that thing George Lynch said, where basically Tim, since he owns the name, owns all the publishing and all that, like the band's fucked outside of Jordan, their drummer, because he co owns the name. But I mean, yeah. the, the rest of the dudes don't get shit so it's like yeah that doesn't tim didn't tim date his daughter or something like that or? uh nick hippa the guitar player dated oh okay, was okay. and i think they have a kid together even though they're not so together. but what, what was the name of the band that they they formed War. After? I, I enjoyed that i thought it was cool because it was different to me yes i i don't know considering how brutal they were on those last couple of records and just the the playing that was on it and then going to that i was just kind of like i kind of i need i need more i need more heavy on this yeah well i mean that's why it was a different band you know i'm sure if it comes but it comes back as as i lay dying i'm sure they'll pick up where they left off you know we'll see um kill switch engage are writing interested to see how that goes i I know times of grace is writing too so i know jesse's doing that i'm hoping for a new on earth record at some point yeah, I don't know, I don't what's, know what's going on I, with them. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with those guys either. I mean, uh, I know their drummer had that back surgery, or was it our hand surgery or whatever? Had surgery regardless, yeah, and was yeah. out for a while because they had uh, Jordan from Esley dying fill in for a while. Which I wish I'd yeah. seen one of those shows. That'd have been rad. Yeah, we we did a tour with Unearth a couple of years ago. Uh, we did like ten shows with them. It was cool. Uh, Blacklight Burns, West Borland is doing a new record supposedly sometime yeah uh, i love wes i love Wes. that guy's so cool <laughs> and i i love his style i love him in limp biscuit you know i i i so we play with black like burns and it was just so cool to watch i you think know, my wife was at that show that you guys were on at streeters up in traverse city maybe no we didn't play with them there okay we play with we did a festival show with them and and at madison wisconsin but it was called jjo band camp okay Streeters, uh, oh my god! <laughs> I've never been. She, I, that place I, I don't know like, how. Like, his Trivium's played there a couple of times. And I'm like, explain the routing of how someone decides to go to Traverse City to me. <laughs> well, the thing is, is we played there, and uh, where's the fan base in that place? I just don't know. We did one show with Hell Yeah there. It was sold out. What? It was uh, yeah, it was sold out. Us Hell Yeah, and uh, I think Barry Your Dad was on that show. Oh shit! And and then. Uh, friggin every other time we've been there it's just been terrible so we always like you know i don't have anything against it but it's just like if it's going to continue like that yeah so uh, i'd rather just go to grand rapids and not go any further up well i mean (laughs) yeah yeah kind of last uh 
last question, more of a as a kind of a funny thing since it's someone we both know. Uh, okay. 2018, since you guys are taking the year off, are you and Alfonso from Heart Six slash No Life able going to be able to uh, finish whatever that thing you guys were working on like many many moons ago? Uh, you know what? I, I I'd love to work with him. Alfonso's what a great kid. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, he's I love that kid. You know, and and his and perseverance of the music business is, is very inspiring. That he's still. You know, from no life to heart sick, he's still around kicking ass and doing it. And he loves being a musician. He loves playing music. I follow him on social media. He's constantly putting videos of him playing guitar and stuff. He's a very passionate guy. You know, yes. like, I would love to do something with him. It's just a matter of time. I mean, I would love to do projects, you know. I've talked to other people about possibly jamming. Just a jam, you know. I'd, yeah. I'd love to do. Be, I'd love to be in a cover band just to play covers and just have fun, you know. I don't really care about putting out records or you know, outside of nonpoint you know that right. nonpoint nonpoint is my one and full-time gig you know i don't need i get all my i don't need to get anything out in any other project <laughs> i get i get it all yeah. out in nonpoint you know so it was just funny like I, I remember a while ago he was like oh i'm doing this thing with rob and i was like oh and he was like yeah it's coming along pretty good and then like recently when you and i were trying to get this thing figured out i was like I wonder what ever happened to that. Like, cause well, he was, it's like, just all a ma- about it for a while. And I know you, like, just, you're busy and so is he. Yeah. It's just never really came together. You know, like I've talked to a, a lot of people have approached me about doing projects, but the thing is, is for me to do a project, you have to have the same work ethic as I would have a nonpoint for me to get it done. Right. Like I can't, I can't just do a couple weeks here and then a couple months pass by and then do another couple weeks. No, it, it has to be done. Like, right. let's just get together and do it, like, uh, five songs at a time. Let's write five tracks and, and see where it goes, you know. And I'd love to do something with Alfonso, you know. I, it'd be great, you know. The time permits, and I got a couple of different people I'd love to work with. It's just a matter of timing. I got a full family, you know. I got a, right. a, full-time, da- I'm a full-time dad, husband, you know, and a full-time musician. You know, it's 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 hard, you know. And But uh, I would love this. The time permits, and I'll definitely do something, you know. But when time permits. And then uh, socials, where can everyone find you online? Uh, if you Instagram, uh, Rob Point, uh, Twitter, Rob Rivera, and P, Rob with two Bs, and uh, Facebook, uh, Rob Rivera, nonpoint. And uh, yeah, that's it as far as the socials go. And then I always end these episodes with a song. So what would you like me to play this out to? Can be anything. Could be uh, your favorite song of this past year. How about uh, anything? Anything. Jacob's Ladder by Rush. Okay. Is there a, what? What's uh? What about that song? Do you do you enjoy? It's just my favorite. One of my. It's probably my favorite song ever. You know, outside that and Battery from Metallica are my two favorite songs. But Jacob's Ladder is on the Permanent Waves album. It's just an epically, amazingly written song. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. I, I wasn't necessarily planning on taking two hours with you, but uh, uh, I appreciate it, man. It was fun chatting about uh, this past year in music and what we're looking forward to and just van- various random stories. So uh, hopefully we'll be seeing a, a Rob Rivera podcast sometime in the new year. I hope so. Awesome. Well, thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, man. So that was my chat with Rob Rivera of Nonpoint. Kind of interesting, like I said, in the intro and going throughout this record, just kind of being able to look back at a, in a year 
via music. Uh, a lot of these records, I think, are going to be records that I listen to for a long time. I know the Chris Stapleton records. Uh, while I haven't really gotten too familiar with the second of the albums that he put out this year, I just think those are going to be timeless records. And I think like the Code Orange record is going to be one that's super timeless as well. And I think I'm going to look back like I do with like Hate Breeds Perseverance, like where I know where I was the first time I heard it or the, the first Korn record. You know, it's interesting that music has this ability to take us back in time to we can have such vivid memories. Yet we live in an age where we can make a photo or a video or go Facebook Live and all this kind of stuff. Yet everything we do seems so disposable at times just due to the nature of constantly updating things. So to think about a record and making a top 10 list of something that really has stuck with you for the entirety of a year. Granted, some of this stuff, you know, may have come toward the end of the year, so it's easier to have that be fresh on your mind. But for a record as a whole to stick with you and, and have you say that, like, definitively, this is, like, my top 10, I think that speaks volumes. I think that's it's really interesting to think about that, like I said, in a time and day, an age where, you know, it's so easy to just move on to the next thing, whatever it happens to be. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what not only these bands that we've talked to in our top 10, I'm interested to see what some of these other records are looking like uh, for the new year. One of them that I hadn't mentioned uh, is The Roots. I don't know that they're recording a new new album per se, but I'm always excited for a new Roots record. It's always interesting to see a real band doing hip-hop and being so self-conscious being conscious socially and so forth and uh anybody who's seen that black thought like 10 minute freestyle is fucking phenomenal uh i have been championing the roots for many 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 years uh at least since around like 0203 so i mean i'm going on about 15 years of just love for the roots um it's typically one of those things, there's a there's actually a record shop in Ann Arbor, I try to go find a Roots record every time, and it's getting sad, because I'm almost, I'm almost got everything, uh, unless I decide to start going for some live bootlegs and so forth, but I don't think I'm gonna do that. I don't know, though. <clears throat> but I'm interested to, uh, like I said earlier, and kind of, in the intro, I'm interested to see some discussion on this. I, I, I hope that everybody who listens to this podcast, whether you are listening because of Rob, or you are a fan of this podcast as a whole... I really want some discussion on this. I really would like to find some new music that people are listening to that has left a profound impact on you this past year, uh, whether it be something, you know, like an Architects record and it's, you know, the rebirth of a band in light of the tragedy that happened to them. If it is, you know, a band like Night Versus who are suddenly finding themselves without a singer and, and now they're going to go down a new rabbit, not a new rabbit hole, I'm sorry, down a new trend of being an instrumental band and and what does that look like for them you know i think hundredth was a great band for me because as much as i love the old sound i i think i'm more excited about seeing where this band can go from a record like rare now and and from there on so i think music's great like that um and i and i love finding different things and as you saw on my list of my top 10 it, it's kind of varied i mean granted it's a little mainstream but there's definitely stuff that's like under the radar i think that i still enjoy that yeah so if uh if your top 10 list if you have one or even if it's just a record that you jammed consistently all year 
send it to Rob and I. I know Rob is also very musically diverse, and I'm sure he would love to find new stuff as well. I mean, we have a wealth of information at our fingertips with iPhones and all this kind of stuff and smartphones. So if there's some music that's awesome and that we need to know about, please share it with us. I would love to find a new band that I'm all about. As you heard Rob say, he recently found the band Paris. Uh, and I know that's a band a lot of people are digging in the last couple of years. So uh, you can find Rob at Rob Point. That's R-O-B-B for Rob. Two Bs. Uh, that's on Instagram. That's his Instagram handle. If you would like to follow him on Twitter, you can at Rob Rivera NP. The I was capitalized in the username, so I'm not sure if you need to use the capital I on that. But if you do, again, it's R-O-B-B-R capital R capital I V-E-R-A NP for Nonpoint. And if you'd like to keep up with Nonpoint and everything they're doing, which 2018 sounds like it's going to be a pretty relatively slow year for them just so they can kind of recharge and get back to family life and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but regardless, if you would like to keep up with Nonpoint, maybe pick up their last album uh, or any of the merch or anything like that, you can at nonpoint.com. Speaking of websites, if you would like to go over to moshpitnation.com, you can find this podcast over there. You can also find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, pretty much anywhere podcasts are. This podcast can be found. Uh, if you would like to rate, review, and subscribe, if you got a few minutes, that would greatly help this podcast out. Been getting a lot of great guests. I know I say that. I know every podcast says that if they get guests. But seriously, rating, reviewing, subscribing—that's that's the metrics that matter in this this platform, this world that we live in. Trying to get guests that are bigger and better that a lot of people want to hear from and you know a show like the Josta show or you know doc coil there's it's funny to see some of this podcast that i've done and listen to myself and, and going after the same guests and, and kind of losing out to a degree on getting some of these people and sometimes it just drives me to to want to build this bigger than it is and and so forth and you know from my first year i've gotten a lot of great people and i want to continue that with this new year i think i've got you know this is a great start the episode i did with glenn has gotten a lot of great feedback from a lot of his friends that have known him for a long time and I enjoy seeing that so while it's not necessarily about you know number crunching and all that kind of stuff and it is just kind of very much about having a great conversation with someone that I find interesting and just kind of giving that to people so they can enjoy and get out of their own maybe work or you know wherever it's pretty much the point of this but all that being said sometimes it does come down to numbers and, and what your reach is and all that kind of stuff so if you are listening to this podcast wherever you're listening to it from please rate review subscribe helps out greatly uh, as of right now i think i've got a five star rating on itunes I, I don't have a ton but they're all five stars so i'm doing something right and the reviews i've got are awesome so if you would like to leave me one of those, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, apparently, a new thing that you can do is rate and review things on Facebook. So if you would like to follow me on my socials, you can follow me at Facebook and Instagram at John's Entitled Podcast. Uh, leave me a review or a rating on Facebook. I don't really know what that does, but it's a new thing, so I'm sure it will matter eventually. So if you could uh, do that as well on there, if you got some extra time, even tell me I suck. I don't really care. Uh, Twitter, if you would like to follow me there, it is at John's Untitled Pod, and you can email me at John's Untitled Pod dot, not dot com, sorry, John's Untitled Pod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, so we are going to get out of here. We always end these episodes with a song, and as you heard Rob pick out, we are going a little old school, maybe potentially even before some of you were born. We are going to listen to Jacob's Ladder by Rush. 
I will talk to you next week where my guest is Justin. I'll talk to you next week when my guest is Justin Graves of the band Vexes, formerly of the band A Life Once Lost. Uh, It's a really quick chat, uh, so no more Rogan-esque two-hour marathons, but it's a really totally quick chat. It's a newer band. Uh, They are getting ready to put out their new record, and so I got to talk with Justin about the new record and and all that kind of stuff, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So without further ado, this is Jacob's Ladder by Rush. I'll talk to you next week.